back, listeners, to the weekly Mercado Market Update. You might be wondering why you've got my voice again instead of Andrew Whitelaw's uh, Gaelic tones, but um, he's back this week, but he has injured himself playing ice hockey. Uh, so it uh, sounds like a suspected broken arm. Um, so we'll just have myself and Rob this week covering off on our commodities, and I'll hit it off with uh, an assessment of the cattle market uh, this week you took a look at slaughter levels and, and looking at slaughter levels across both the northern and southern parts of the country and we're noticing that um, actually even despite the rainfall we've been seeing in some of the southern regions that the southern markets are driving slaughter levels uh, to elevated um, positions in recent weeks. Uh, in fact, if you look at the Victorian slaughter levels year to date, they're up 8.5% and South Australian levels are up 16% from um, this, this time last year, year to date. Uh, one of the things we have looked at to see where this uh, slaughter is coming from, given that the uh, pasture certainly around Victoria is looking pretty good. Um, we've had some reasonably good winter rainfall, uh, particularly in the west of Victoria, but um, it's looking like uh, some of these um, finished cattle are coming actually out of the feedlots. Um, if, you, if you take a look at the March uh, feedlot report that we put out recently, uh, you can break down the numbers state by state and we've seen that uh, combined the Victorian South Australian uh, feedlot numbers are actually uh, March, from March last quarter to March this quarter they're up 26% in terms of numbers on, of cattle on feed. Uh, so you know, showing that um, you know, historically obviously all, a lot of the feedlots are up in northern New South Wales, southern Queensland area and that's where the bulk of those feedlot cattle are but we are noticing that the increase in uh, feedlots within the southern states is also creeping up and it's helping to uh, provide additional uh, finished cattle for the, uh, for the slaughter market. Uh, and it's, look, it's a signal too, even despite this rainfall we've been seeing through the uh, May-June period in the southern states, that, that the slaughter, the liquidation of the herd with this slaughter is, um, is still continuing. And certainly that's what the, um, the female slaughter ratio over the last few months has been showing us, and we're seeing it also in the slaughter numbers. Uh, as we say a lot in Mercado, that um, one of the things that we do find when we're slaughtering more now, it's going to mean that there's less available stock for down the track, and certainly it's going to delay any herd rebuild or any significant herd rebuild. So um, what it does mean, I guess, for prices for cattle is that um, in, in you know, coming months and, uh, and into next year, that the price is going to stay at these historically high levels uh, still with, um, with the ability to um, grow the herd and to increase uh, production over time, um, limited by how much we're slaughtering now. So if I turn to uh, sheep and lamb markets and we took a bit of a look at uh, export flows over the uh, last couple of decades this week on the uh, Mercado analysis um, part of the website. And in particular we looked at export flows in contrast to domestic consumption for lamb and mutton product. Um, and just showing how important these export markets are becoming, particularly for our lamb product, uh, if you look at the last two decades, uh, lamb exports have increased 139% uh, from the levels we used to see back at the uh, start of the 2000s. Uh, and if you contrast that to the domestic consumption of lamb within Australia, that's down 19%. Uh, and so what it's meaning is the, the ratio of um, export to, uh, to production is be, be for lamb has been increasing and, and we've seen it from 37% back in 2000 now sitting at 63%. Uh, which is a um, significant uh, increase in the number of exports of, uh, of our lamb product overseas. Um, 
obviously those that follow the market closely know that our mutton, most of our mutton now is exported. In fact, about 96% uh, was exported overseas in the um, 2018 season. Uh, and if, if you combine the two volumes, so if you look at lamb and mutton together, uh, exported as a as a proportion of production, we're now at 73% of our lamb and sheep product gets exported. So, up near the uh, levels that we we assume that uh, we see the cattle markets uh, have that you know, more than 70% of the cattle product is exported, and now combined mutton and lamb is is tipped into the same area over 70% exported. Uh, what it means, I guess, for uh, Consumption levels is that you know, over the last uh, two decades it's been declining within Australia. And if you look at uh, the consumption of lamb, we've gone from about 12.2 kilo consumed per annum per person within Australia uh, back in 2000. Uh, it's now sitting at around 7.5 kilos consumed uh, per person per annum. Uh, MLA forecasts that to drop even further in this 2019 season. Uh, but the real drop has been in mutton consumption back in 2000 uh, per person. Per annum, we were consuming nearly 7 kilo of mutton, and that is now dropped down to 0.35 kilo, or 350 grams. So um, hardly any mutton uh, in the diet of the Australian consumer these days. And I imagine that's um, a sign of the times too in terms of the uh, higher retail prices we've been seeing. Uh, obviously, the, the higher sale yard prices have flown through into higher retail prices, and that's really impacting the uh, popularity of, of lamb uh, for the uh, for the Sunday roast. Now, I'm going to um, pass across to Rob. I think he's going to cover off on wool. Good on you, Matt. Thank you. Well, gee, I don't know. I feel like perhaps saying nothing about wool's better this week because uh, the market... For the last sale for the financial year was a real dud. Um, it, it lost ground again. We had a very low um, uh, passing rate, so a lot of wool got held back and uh, there wasn't much cleared. I think we're about, compared to this time last year, we're about 9,000 bars behind. And one of the reasons that's been put forward, and I'm just going to challenge it a little bit actually, because one of the reasons put forward for this has been the trade uncertainty you know and people say oh it's trump and it's china and it's all these things um and and it could be right however i just want to um we had a look at iron ore and um and west texas crude oil because they are also commodities that you would think would be impacted and in the last uh the last six months uh, iron ore is actually up 53% and West Texas crude oil is up 24% and in fact in the last month iron ore uh, jumped 13% and, and, and West Texas crude oil up 15%. In that same period the Australian wool market so over the last six months it's lost 10% um, and in the last, uh, if you look at it in, in US dollar terms, it's lost 10% in Aussie dollar terms, but in US dollar terms, it's been a bit worse. It's lost 12%. In fact, in the last month, it's down 8% in Aussie dollar terms and 7.5% in US dollar terms. So there seems to be, uh, there's not a consistent view that can be taken that it is all about world trade and commodities. Um, the, we need to probably add into that, though, that the uh, other fibres, cotton and polyester, are also well down. And they peaked in 2018, along with the wool market, had a peak at that point. And since then, they're down 21% and 35%. So you would think that probably the story we're hearing here is that um, it's not really about the trade. It's a fact that we're going through a fibre... Uh, downturn and those patterns have been around for a long time we've noticed them for a long time Andrew Woods writes about some about them all the time 
Um, but what it, I guess what's a little bit more concerning is, though, that with our really low supply of wool going through, there was a feeling that maybe wool could decouple itself from the rest of the fibre market and become a specialist fibre and, and have a market of its own. That doesn't seem to be the case with what we're seeing at this stage and what the statistics are saying. And there was another, there was two other points I just wanted to make. The first one was that in Western Australia this week we heard that uh, a concerned sheep producer had uh, written to uh, the, mem the agriculture minister in WA and said, look, he's worried that uh, people are buying properties and putting them into grain and we're losing sheep numbers. And uh, perhaps, uh, and, and I noticed that uh, one of the commentators said, perhaps it's a time for intervention. Well, uh, in the wool industry, we know what happens when intervention goes. It doesn't end well. But this certainly isn't a case for intervention. But what it does highlight is that the challenge for acres, or, the, or as we have termed it before, the fight for acres, is on, but ongoing. It's there all the time, and it won't go away. And it's up to the sheep industry, wool industry, lamb industry, or whoever, if they want to uh, hold their acres or indeed increase them, then they have to come up with um, uh, a compelling case that uh, that encourages people to commit to that. And I did see one um, uh, friend of ours, George Gatenby, down in Tassie. Uh, he put out a tweet today on that uh, very um, on that social media platform where he said, it was really a really good observation, George. I think he said, we used to get $8 a kilogram for our wool. Now we're getting $8 a kilogram for our lamb and our ewes are producing 20 kilograms of lamb. So merino ewes are producing $200 a head year in, year out from meat. Now, going back to our comments about Western Australia, um, that's a positive for the sheep industry. Um, I think... It's going to be a great time for sheep. Um, I, I think even with the wool prices coming back a bit, we certainly know that a lot of the income comes from uh, surplus sheep sales off our wool-producing properties. However, uh, if wool doesn't um, you know, re retain its favourable pace with uh, sheep producers, they do have an alternative, and that's to produce meat. Now, that's the end of the financial year. We start up with the wool sales next week. Uh, AUX made the note that the offering normally the first week after the in the new financial year is usually a very big offering. This year it's not so big. I think it's about 34,000 bales on offer and uh, that would be a combination of farmers not that enthused about the market, perhaps not that keen to throw their wool in on their first opportunity, but it also might be a pointer that there just isn't as much wool around as what we've been thinking. So Matt... Uh, Happy, happy end of financial year. It's a bit lonely here today. Um, as you said, Andrew, uh, um, people might think it's a joke to say he broke his arm playing uh, ice hockey. I can tell you it's not a joke. Um, he really does play ice hockey, which, um, you know, I can't understand that either. And Olivia's decided to take uh, Friday off. Um, we hope she's having a nice time. But uh, Matt and I kept the fort. Matt, thanks for uh, setting this up. All the best and back to you. Excellent. Thanks very much, uh, Rob, for a fantastic summary of the wool market. And so, trendsetters, that's it for another week for the Mercado podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, as always, uh, let your friends know about it and make sure to like it on uh, the device or streaming service that you use to download the podcast. And um, we'll speak to you again next week, hopefully with a not-too-sore Andrew Whitelaw at the helm. Uh, cheerio.